Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Profit Minds podcast. My name is Dr. Stephen Kirch, and I'm the creator of the Profit Minds Growth System, a unique blend of profit growth, productivity acceleration, and building business process for scale. In every episode, I interview entrepreneurs and small business owners from around the world with a unique story to tell. You can find the show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. Today, my guest is Barbara Spector of Smart Moves Incorporated, and we're going to discuss how to rewire to make your sales higher. Welcome, Barb. Hi there. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for taking time to, to be with me today. I'm excited to be here with you, hon. So, uh, you know, I start this every episode. I, I start with, what's your story? How did you get to be where you are? Oh, great, great, great question. So I've been in sales virtually my entire life. I'm not specifically selling so much as influencing. But all along, one of the things that I saw consistently where I could be a real help to people was that sometimes they had their head twisted a little incorrectly. <laughs> the way that they thought about things was kind of on a superficial level rather than being able to dig down deeper and actually get to the root cause of what the real problems were. And that was on a personal level with friends many, many years ago or later on in business. So my whole, my whole joy and my whole passion is to help organizations these days to really start thinking in a different way. I mean, you know, some people talk, say, think different. I hate that expression because it's bad English, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> You and my mother. <laughs> we do need to think differently, especially today. T today, there is so much uncertainty out there in terms of what's happening in what I call the nervous economy. So over the years in various roles that I've been in, I've had this uncanny ability to sort of take a jump to the left, think a little differently about what the actual solutions to problems could be. So about mm. 27 years ago, after having all of the responsibility and none of the authority as a sales VP, as a VP, executive VP, and watching companies really floundering at being able to do the following, hire great people on purpose, on purpose rather than by accident, <laughs> develop them on purpose and really care. <laughs> and thirdly, being able to retain them. And I thought, boy, that'd be a great idea for a business. And so that's what I ended up creating as what I now call smart moves, meaning it's critical for us to be able to make the right decisions most of the time for the right reasons. And so that's how smart moves and how I began to develop this as a concept. So, so that's very interesting. Um, I'd like to dive into each of those a, sure. a little bit. Um, you say hire the right people, intentionally hire the right people. So, so is there some, some process or some, some magic formula that you have that, that um, allows, because I know for many small businesses, hiring is really a challenge. Oh, it right is. Now. 
It's a real challenge. Uh, so, so talk a little bit about uh, of your approach to to hiring the right people. I think it's, it, there's two main things that have to happen. Well, there's a whole bunch actually, but but two in particular. There is a slew of what are called pre-employment assessments out there. Right. And oh, yeah. and and whether you're hiring salespeople or you're hiring you know an admin assistant, you're hiring a VP, whomever. It is critical to use those kinds of tools because they get below the tip of the iceberg and give you information that you couldn't possibly know, but just by interviewing people, mm -hmm. we've got a slew of those and they're wonderful. They're just great. What's, the, what's just, just out of curiosity, what's, what's your favorite or, or does it depend on the industry? Well, it depends on the industry, but you know, when it comes to sales, um, I'm a partner with a company called objective management group and they have a very sales specific sales competency assessment. Okay. And I love it. It's great. But, but along with that, what companies oftentimes miss is that they slap up their job description as an ad and nobody reads those job descriptions. And then they wonder why they're not getting any decent candidates. So we've got a means of helping them to write an ad the way they would write an ad if they were marketing their product. You know, I mean, what a difference that would make. So how do we, how do we involve the, the, candidate to get motivated to one even answer the ad what's in it for them to apply for this job you know i don't care about what you know how, whether you're family oriented and the company's family oriented or you've know, been in business that your candidates don't care about that they want to know how they're going to grow how they're going to be challenged how they're going to make a difference especially the millennials today that's all that they're concerned about so we've got to write better ads and we have to be able to know what the main job expectations are so that when you are interviewing somebody, you're speaking to what this job really is about, not just a list of skills, duties and responsibilities. That, that's so refreshing to hear because I've, I've actually worked with a couple of clients on exactly that problem. They were struggling to hire people. And I said, you know, you really need to treat it like a marketing problem. But you're not marketing to get additional clients. You're marketing to get people who are the right kind of fit for exactly. your company, not for not just for the role, but also for the culture. Exactly. Exactly. Because um, cultural fit is something that you can't train for. No. Because that's a part of and, and you talk about rewiring, but that's that's something that's very difficult to rewire. If somebody's internal culture or internal uh, orientation doesn't fit with your culture. It's, it, it's a square peg in a round hole. Absolutely. I totally right. agree with you. Uh, so, so that's so refreshing that, that that's an important part, you know, rewriting. So I would urge all of the listeners, if you're trying to hire people, think about what problem are you solving for the people that you're hiring? Exactly. And what's in it for them to join yeah. your company? How it's a marketing gonna... problem. How... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's terrific. Okay. So, so that's getting the right people in place and then training. You said you talked about training. I, I love to teach. It's a big part of why I got into this business in the first place was because mm -hmm. I love, I love getting knowledge and then sharing it with people. So, so what's your, what's your big thing about, about, you know, training or, or getting people um, to do, you know, well, perform well at the job that they've been hired to do. Okay. So we're making an assumption that they're the right fit for the job to start yes, with. Yes, of course. Of course. Okay. All right. So 
especially these days, I mean, we are in such a nervous economy. And from what I've been reading lately, one of the biggest things that sales leaders and CEOs are struggling with is they know they need to expand their sales force so they can generate more revenue, but they want to, you know, decrease their marketing budget. And they also don't understand that when they're hiring new salespeople, the selling skills that they need to have today are not necessarily the same as what they needed to have yesterday. So if we're in a potential, you know, the sky is falling economy, which I really don't think is going to happen, but that's just my personal point of view. Um, <laughs> I watch the stock market all the time. One day it's falling, the next day it's bright and sunny. Yeah. And they say, um, and they say the stock market is predicted uh, 12 of the last seven recessions. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so if we don't, if we, we, we need to understand and actually, let me go back for a second. We can't fix what we can't measure. True. Say that again. We can't fix what we can't measure. So if we don't know what selling skills are not strong in each individual, and not only individuals, but our managers who are managing salespeople and our VPs who are managing the, the managers who are managing the salespeople, we're kind of at a loss to even know what do we train on. So one of the things that I love, and this is probably my most favorite thing that I do, is I put say I take a whole a whole the whole sales organization through what I call a corporate MRI. You know how the, mm -hmm. the Titanic was sunk by what was under the surface. Oh yeah, <laughs> not with what was on top. So we don't they don't need to be looking any longer at what they've got on at, above the surface. They need to look at what's below the surface and discover what they could then map from that into really effective training. And I can tell you a bunch of stories around that. Okay. That, that's, that's, that's great. Okay. And then the other one is retention. You said retention is the third piece. So, mm -hmm. so, so talk a little bit about, um, cause again, in, in, in this, you know, since, since the pandemic started, right. People have started to figure out, you know, my priorities aren't necessarily the same as what they were and I need to rethink this. And, and so a lot of people have had, I mean, we had the great resignation, but, but people are really particular about uh, the, the job that they have. And, and, you know, you want to, cause it costs a lot of money to hire them and get them skilled. You can't afford to have them leave six months later and go to your competitor. Exactly. Or decide to open up their own business. Whatever, right? <laughs> right? You can't afford to have them leave because then you gotta you gotta go through it all again. You gotta spend that money exactly. all over again. So exactly. so so what's the key in in your in your experience? What's the key to to employee retention? I think it's what I call front end, back end. Actually, front end, middle end, back end. Front end, you've got to onboard people correctly. They've really got to understand everything about the job and take them through a 90 day onboarding process. Most companies do maybe two weeks and I don't care what the job is, but if we're talking about sales, most of the time it's two weeks and then it's maybe a couple of drive, you know, drive ons, you know, that they take them the sales manager takes them on. It's a 90 day process of training and retraining and doing uh, video calls with them and, and, you know, rehearsals and so on. But then how do we, we want to measure and stay in touch with them 
literally month by month. And by the time, and, and be asking one very important question for retention, what's going to make you stay? And what's going to make you leave? And then listen to that and make sure the things that are going to make them stay, you can provide. Critical. Yeah. Yeah, there's something that we, we started doing when I was at Intel. We started doing a thing called a stay interview. Oh, there you go. Right. It was it was just take the employee out to lunch and and talk about what they really liked about their job, what was missing from their perspective exactly. that they would love to see happen. So, so valuable uh, a way of making sure that you were that the employees were excited about what they did. In fact, I made the offer to my employees in, in, in the last job that I had at Intel. Um, I said, it, it, it's important to me that you're excited about your job. Exactly. And if you're not excited about your job, come talk to me and I'll find a project that excites you. Fabulous. And if I can't find a project that excites you, I'll help you find another job. Great. Good on you, Steve. Yeah. So, so exactly that. And, and I was brought into a couple of organizations that were, you know, hemorrhaging people to try to stabilize it through the, the, you know, the latter part of my career. I got known as a manager who could help hold organizations together for just exactly that reason, the, the retention, paying attention to what they care about. It's the same thing that you did at the beginning to get them on board, mm -hmm. right? You attracted exactly. them, it, it attracted them in the same, in the same way. Exactly. It's, so, it's so constant I nurturing. That. It's constant I nurturing. That. I love that. So um, in your experience, what are some of the biggest challenges facing sales leaders today? Um, well, we've, we've kind of kind of touched on it. Um, I think that there, there are different selling skills that are needed today uh, than before. And what Can it really, you be a little more specific? Yeah, what, are the kinds of, what are the kinds of things? Yeah, okay. yeah happy to do that. Um, there's a lot more bravery needed right now in mm. salespeople and bravery and courage are like top of the list. But if you think about those two terms, those aren't selling skills. Those are mindsets, right? So how do we get the, what I call junk trash out of our junk, junk thinking out of our head and replace it with what's the opportunity here? For, for the company and for me to be successful. Um, so let me give you an example. Um, this all has to do with coaching salespeople in such a way that enables them to be bigger and better than who they were before. So let's, let's think about, you know, one of the biggest banes to most sales leaders is a, a failing pipeline, a bloated pipeline. Mm. And they scratch their head and they go, these guys are doing everything right. They're following the sales process completely. Why aren't things working? Well, I would suggest there's maybe four things and it's, there's many, but let me just talk about four right now. They aren't talking to the right decision maker, right? I mean, okay. They think they are and they're supposed to be doing that, but we've actually done studies through this analysis that we do that most of the time, only a very small percentage of the salespeople are actually talking to the right person. So how can you possibly close deals if you're not talking to the right person? Yeah, you have to talk to the person who actually is going to make the decision. Exactly. Or if you're talking to what I call, I don't like to use the word gatekeeper. I'm talking to the influencer, right? Yeah, yeah. If 
if you can't communicate with him or her effectively, how is she or he ever going to get the message through the gatekeeper uh, to the, the real decision maker that they need to talk to you directly? So that's, that's problem number one. Problem number two is many salespeople are following some kind of a cooker, cookie cutter way of selling. They don't understand that emotions are what causes people to buy. So they don't ever take the, the prospect down to their compelling reason to buy. Like what's really in it for them to buy this widget or buy this sales training or buy the this service program. or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever it is. Um, instead of the competition, right. Which then causes them to not sell value. So, if you don't ask enough of the right questions and you can't bring out the compelling reason for a, for a prospect, for a buyer to buy, right? How will they ever understand what your value is? Because the value comes through not so much about me reading off a list of features and benefits, God forbid, but it comes through the salesperson, almost like what, what's written all over their chest. It's called, I know what I'm talking about. I know what you need. I really understand what your problems are. And from that, their ability to sell value is critically elevated to a much, much higher level. Um, I could tell you an interesting story about that. Sure. Uh, I love stories. It actually answers one of my other, the other questions that I think you might be asking me. <laughs> we can hold <laughs> off if you like. No, that's I okay. That's okay. Tell give, give, give me a... Okay. So... Uh, one of the largest privately held companies up in Canada manufactures windows and doors, and they sell them as well. Okay. And we took them through this analysis that we do of helping them understand at least 25 unknown issues that every organization is facing and what to do about it. And one of the things we discovered is that the sales managers were actually telling the salespeople we cannot sell our products at the regular price because no one will buy them at the regular price. So they couldn't sell on value. They only were selling on price. Do you get that so far? Yes, yes, yes. Right. Okay. So once we had uncovered the limiting belief that, that was running rampant in the company, there were many, but this is just one example. We said, okay, let's bring everybody in the organization together from manufacturing to operations, all the way down to the janitor and all the way up to the CEO. And we said, okay, so, so we need to be thinking about how, instead of just lowering our price to make sales, what can we really do that, to sell the value of what we do? And they wrote a laundry list of things that were different about that, that, that they could do. But I said, well, what makes you really different? What's going to make you different? And so here's what they came up with. Then we'll just talk about one. They had four divisions. I'll just talk about one. One of their divisions sold to new home builders that were developing these ginormous, you know, whole big numbers of homes, 200 homes at a time. Well, it gets pretty chilly up in Canada. <laughs> and what they thought they could do was if they just had the best windows and the best doors, you know, there's these developers would buy them. Mm -mm. But these developers needed, and they fi it finally dawned on them, was if they could, if the if the company, the window and door manufacturer, could de deliver all the windows and all the doors for all the homes, 
before the snow started up in Canada, that would be a game changer. Hmm. Why? Because then the general contractor could reliably schedule all the other trades that had to finish the interior. Could do it inside, but it's warm, where it's, you know, you not. Got it. Yep. And they never, ever, ever had to sell on price again because they truly understood their value and were able to deliver that across the board to the, to the set. They made $20 million more within 12 months just by changing that one thing. Was a seventeen percent wow. increase in revenue? Wow, that's terrific. That's a great story. So, yeah. Um, so, so talk to me a little bit about uh, the ideal client for you. Who who is who is that? What's? Yeah, I can speak to that. So we work mostly in, I guess you could call it the SMB space, small medium sized business. So small to us is. 20 million. We work with smaller companies, of course, and generally as high as $500 million. And they generally all know that what they're doing today is not sufficient to take them where they need to go. They are, they need to aspire to take sales higher. And they, what they don't know is that they have to rewire. And rewire doesn't just mean mindset, by the way. That's a large part of it. But it's it's way more than that. It's like they've so, got to rewire their systems and their strategies and their processes. Okay. Right. So so it's 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 not just mindset of the of the sales force, but also systems and processes uh, that that support those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And we generally speak to the CEO or the or the sales VP generally too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're the ones that are kind of like having trouble sleeping at night. <laughs> Or saying, why aren't our sales growing faster? Why aren't our wind weights higher? <laughs> yeah. So, and and um, what's the what's the length of, of the process typically for you in, when you engage a when you engage a client? Excellent question. So, what, the first thing we do once we understand what the you know frustration is, and they really truly don't know the answer. And by the way, it's no fault of their own; they don't know. It's just that generally, whether it's a sales VP or even a VP, a C, a C, you know, they're three steps removed from the sales force. Sure. So they don't know. So we're going to answer all the unknown questions. And the way we do that is we start with what I, what I would call the diagnostic. Oh, I mentioned a minute ago, a corporate MRI. And we take them through this. Uh, it's a, it's a, a, a questionnaire, an evaluation online that aggregates what everybody has has said into a full-fledged analysis of what they can do to improve. And we then debrief on that analysis. It takes us about three, a good three hours to do that, mm-hmm. at which point it becomes really clear that if they don't have the infrastructure internally to fix it, to improve it, to train on it, we then have that. So it's a three-step, basically a three-step process. We do a deep discovery. We do the analysis that generally leads to training. And that training isn't one of these overnight wonders. You can't train salespeople in a weekend. <laughs> you can't shift mindsets in a weekend. <laughs> How true so, that is. Yes. So our process is a minimum of six months. But in the okay. meantime, they're getting constantly getting coached. It's not just the salespeople. It's also 
the sales managers, and we do a debrief with the CEO on a monthly basis. So it's very mm-hmm. comprehensive. Yeah, and 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 I'm guessing, and maybe this isn't true, but but I'm guessing many times the person who is now in charge of sales, the VP or whoever it is, right, probably came out of the sales organization, and and as you correctly pointed out, what got you here isn't going to get you there. And so what he or she thinks of the way that it used to work, it probably did used to work that way, Mm -hmm. but times continually change. And, and so what's required of salespeople is different now that you're, you know, 10 years removed from being, being the person closing the deals to being in charge of all of the people that close the deals. I'm, I'm just guessing here. Oh yeah. But you're, and you're bringing up a really important point and that is the vernacular is change management, but I want to put it into more human terms. The one consistent, consistent thing in life is that nothing ever stays the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only constant is change. And the only constant is change. And so for there to be Salesforce transformation in an organization, the sales leaders and the CEO must be committed to making it happen. They mm. have to be committed to doing that, right? Because if it doesn't start at the top, it's never going to happen down below. It's just uh, not. Yes, so, absolutely. So, crucial piece in the equation. Uh, yes, absolutely agree. I, you know, I, I saw that happen in the organization when I was first introduced to the Covey Seven Habits. Fifteen hundred people in the organization; they were rolling it out to everybody, and the the senior leaders of that organization were doing the teaching. Wow! Yeah, uh, actually, we we all participated in the train the trainers, and we became facilitators of the of the training. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely important, vital that it that it be bought in from the top. Um, that's the way to transform what goes on in in, in any organization. So yeah, and, and we all know it's really uncomfortable when somebody down the chain, whether it's a sales VP or a sales manager, for whatever reason, isn't holding people accountable enough. They aren't coaching their people enough to be able to say, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to fix this, you know, we need to get out of our, oh, I want to be like stage of, you know, of state of thinking into holding people freaking accountable for results. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what has you excited about the future for you and your business? Oh, wow. Um, I think for me, the greatest fun, it, it really is fun, is watching this well well there's so many things i mean i'm just going to start with what's going on in current times right this the sky is falling mentality is messing up so many organizations today because guess what it isn't falling it's you know the grass is growing and then it's stops growing and then it starts growing again and then it stops growing so the thing that's most fun is to help people think about or stop thinking about what they believed were solutions from yesterday. And I literally mean almost yesterday, (laughs) like (laughs) December. (laughs) And, And what has to happen today and be able to open people's heads up to an expanded way of thinking about things, right? And on one hand, it's kind of scary. But on the other hand, we have no choice. Yeah. We have no you know, 
one of the things you know, people say, well, the future is uncertain. The future is always uncertain. That's whether right. whether the whether the chart appears to be going up or down, it's only a prediction of <laughs> you know somebody's prediction uh, of of what might happen, and it's no more guaranteed. I mean. Nobody foresaw, well, maybe a few people did, but very few people foresaw Putin's invasion of Ukraine, right. Right, which had a huge economic impact, right? The, 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 you know, so yeah, the future is uncertain, but the future is always uncertain. You can't do any more than act in the moment today based on the knowledge that you have. If you spend energy worrying about the future, that's energy you don't have to put into today. Exactly. And there's no chance to pivot if that's where your mindset is. Yeah. So, and you know, pivoting doesn't mean a 180 degree turn necessarily. It could be as the Rocky Horror Picture set, show said, just a little jump to the left. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you get your culture here too, folks. Or a little jump to the right. I don't yeah. want to be political here. Uh, that's fair. So, so Barbara, um, do you have something to offer the listeners, people yeah, that have been with us? You know, we, we've talked a little bit today, touched on this thing called mindset. And one of the things that we've come to know through lots of work with 2.3 million salespeople is that there is a distinct set of mindsets inherent in salespeople. There's nine of them, actually, nine that can be measured. Um, and so, and, and if, and they're all, over, you can over overcome all of them. I mean, they're sort of like psychological blind spots, if you will, and they can all be overcome. But the first thing is you've got to know you have them. So I have a guide, if you will, to the nine mindsets that either will inhibit or expand the best-selling uh, competencies that salespeople have and four ways that you can resolve them or get ahead of them. And if your people would like that, I have a website that they, I can, they can go directly to to get that. Sure. What is it's, it? It's real simple. It's called the guide dot v i p okay great we'll make sure that's on the show notes um and, and if people want to reach out to you uh get a hold of you what's what's the best way for for them to do that sure i think in my um in a little thing at the bottom of my picture i think it says it if you'd like to talk to me just click on that just put that into your url i tried to make it real easy for people vip chat with barb com and it'll open up my schedule book a 15 30 minute or 60 minute call with me and let's see how I can help you get past and uh, the mindsets that you might be having that are blocking growth and if you aspire to take sales higher you got to rewire <laughs> that's great and that concludes our show thanks to our guest Barbara Spector of smart moves Incorporated I hope you learned something about rewiring for your sales. I know I did. This is Dr. Stephen Kirch of Profit Minds. Make sure you catch us again next time on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. Of course, I'd appreciate a good review on any of those platforms. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Stephen.